Hallelujah. Amen. Turn with me to Mark chapter 10, if you will. Verse number 46. Man, it's good to see Pastor on the screen. I miss him, and I can't wait for him to get home. Amen. And I think they're leaving either today or tomorrow, and they'll be coming home sometime this week. Amen. Good Lord willing. So let's pray for their safe uh, journey home. The whole family's coming home. Sister Amy, um, Luke, and Gregory, and Sophia. Keep them all in your prayers. Amen. And they've had great success in all of their uh, crusades and everything. And so we're excited about that. And just like the video said, thank you for your giving. Amen. We become a part of that. Amen. When we give, we sacrifice. God's doing some great things. Amen. 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 Mark chapter 10, verse 46 through 52. And when they came to Jericho, and as he went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great number of people, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the highway side begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And many charged him that he should hold his peace. But he cried the more a great deal. Thou son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stood still. I like that little portion right there. It's not really part of my message, but if you want to get the attention of Jesus, cry out to him. Amen. It caused the Lord to stand still. Amen. And he commanded the blind man to be called. And they called the blind man, saying unto him, Be of good comfort, arise, he calleth thee. And he, casting away his garment, rose and came to Jesus. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Wilt thou, what wilt thou that I should do unto thee? And the blind man said unto him, Lord, that I might receive my sight. And Jesus said unto him, Go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus in the way. Amen. I want to preach on this thought this morning. What the blind man saw. What the blind man saw. And under the reading of the word of God, let the church say, Amen. Now custom, Jewish custom was that before the study of the Word of God, they would pray. So I guess that's why we continue to do that. Because it transformed the study from just being an intellectual study into an interactive study. That one in which one could converse with the Lord in their heart. Not just mere words that were going forth where we can just learn about Jesus, but that we can interact with Jesus. And at the end of the word, at the prayer, they would say, amen. And so that's why we say, let the church say, amen. amen. It means, so be it. In other words, it means, yes, I receive the word of God. Or whatever you want to put your words into. When you say, amen, that makes you a part that you're saying to the word of God, Amen. I believe the word. I receive the word. I interact with the word. Amen. 
And so that's my prayer this morning. That's not just an intellectual study, but that we will interact with the presence of the Lord. And now one more time, let the church shout, Amen. Amen. God bless you, and you may be seated. Can you imagine being blind, physically blind? I can't hardly imagine that. I have fairly poor eyesight. I'm nearsighted, but I have corrected vision. I wear contact lenses, and without my contacts, I can't see very well. And it's an inconvenience. However, I'm not totally blind. And to be, able to be blind is just something that is beyond our imagination. Amen. We can't really comprehend it. I remember as a kid, and we went to, um, on a vacation one time, to Mammoth Cave in Kentucky. And on part of the tour, they'd take you down into the middle of the cave. And at that one point while you were down deep inside the cave, they said, okay, everybody stand still because we're going to turn the lights off. And they said, you're going to experience complete blackness, total blackness. And so they turned all the lights off, and you could not even see your hand in front of your face. And so it's an area, you know how you can go into a dark room and you can't see, but after a while your eyes adjust to it? Well, that total darkness never leaves. You don't ever adjust to that. It's just being blinded. You can't see. And we just can't really comprehend that. It's hard to imagine not being able to see. They have a problem even knowing whether it's day or night. Sometimes they, don't, they get their days and their nights mixed up, blind people, and they don't really know what day it is or what night it is. And it's very confusing, to say the least. And we can all close our eyes and experience it to some extent, but we all understand that we can open up our eyes and see. Amen? But worse than this natural blindness is the spiritual blindness that the Bible talks about in the Word of God. Jesus mentioned it many times when he said, you have eyes, but you see not. That's always been intriguing to me. You have ears, but you don't hear. You got eyes, but you don't see. Well, we do have eyes, amen, and we do see. But Jesus is talking about something different. He's talking about the blindness of the heart. Amen. He's talking about something that we just can't see spiritually. Paul wrote to the Ephesians, and his prayer for them was that the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. In other words, he said, I want your eyes of your understanding so that you might be able to see. And that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of his glory of his inheritance in the saints. When he was talking to them, the same Ephesians, about the Gentiles and their vile ways and how they just didn't understand. It said, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them. In other words, he said alienated, it means simply to be a non participant, that they did not participate in this great form of life that comes from God, amen, and that was because of the blindness of their heart, 
It's my prayer this morning that somebody's heart will begin to see the glorious gift of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The more tragic than just being blind is our heart being blind from the understanding of the word of God. Bartimaeus had a blindness in the physical aspect, but he had something that he saw in his heart. There's three things that I want to point out this morning that Bartimaeus saw. And the first one was that Jesus Christ was the Messiah. He understood somehow, whether it was revealed to him by God or through the word that he had heard, amen, because they had in the Old Testament, Isaiah chapter 9, that said, For unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name, this is talking about Jesus Christ, his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government, and peace there shall be no end upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it so he knew and even at that time when Bartimaeus cried out Jesus thou son of David he was identifying Jesus Christ as the Messiah while others were debating it and you can read about it in the New Testament they debated about it. They said, oh, can anything good come out of Nazareth? And doesn't he have to be born in Bethlehem? And there was all this kind of debate about it. Amen. But while others were debating, blind Bartimaeus made a confirmation as he cried out as Jesus Christ went by. And he said, Jesus, thou son of David. Amen. When you come to the Lord, the Bible says that we must believe that he is. And that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. We cannot come to mighty God just haphazardly. We cannot come to the Lord Jesus Christ just to have our ears tickled or to find an answer to our solution. But when you come to Jesus Christ, you've got to identify him as the Lord of lords and the King of kings. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Amen. This is not something that we're just doing as a pastime in our life. Amen. But we've identified that Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior. Hallelujah. I want you to know why some of the world is debating, you know, is this Jesus? Is this religion real? Is this the right way to go? I want you to know that the church, hallelujah, has already determined that he is the way, the truth, and the life. And if he is not Lord of all, then he is not Lord at all. Amen. He wants every bit apart of each and every one of us. Jesus made this comment. He said, I am the light of the world. Think about it. True light cannot even be seen. We only see what the light illuminates. If we would be in total darkness and we would shut off all the lights today, we wouldn't be able to see the furniture that is all here and even each other. Because the light is what illuminates the darkness and the pure light cannot even be seen we don't see the light 
We don't see it out here. We only see what the light illuminates. Amen. In John chapter 1 and verse 18, it says this, No man has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, He hath declared Him. Amen. The Bible tells us that without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifested in the flesh. He was brought to life. Hallelujah. If you go into the stratosphere or whatever that's called out there, when they go up in those rocket ships, they'll tell you that it's pitch black up there because there's no objects up there to be illuminated. And God is omnipresent. He's everywhere. Hallelujah. But the Bible says God is light and in him is no darkness at all. He is pure light. And the man Christ Jesus, hallelujah, was the manifestation of God in the flesh. Can you say amen? Because we have to believe that God, hallelujah, has manifested himself to the world. That God desires to make himself known uh, to the world. And you can't see pure light. You can only see what it illuminates. So the Bible said he prepared himself a body. Amen. John chapter 1 says it like this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Amen. If you want to find out what the Word is, the verse 14 tells you, and the Word was made flesh. That was Jesus Christ. Amen. But the same was in the beginning with him. All things were made by him, and without him was nothing made that was made. In him who? Jesus Christ was life and the life was the light, the manifestation of man. Amen. And the light shineth in the darkness, but the darkness comprehended it not. Comprehended just simply means it did not take it eagerly. Amen. It did not seize or possess this light. And there's a lot of reasons for it, but one of them is that the Bible says that men love darkness rather than the light because their deeds are evil. Amen? Why is it that we try to think that just because everything's in the dark, nobody sees it? Amen? Just because I do our deeds when nobody's around, that just that, that God doesn't know. Amen? It's silly to be a hypocrite. Amen? Because God despised hypocrisy. And that was trying to be something that you're not. Amen? If you're not a Christian, you need to get, identify Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and live for Him with all your heart. He knows all things. God knows all things. When I was dating my wife, my beautiful mother-in-law's here today, and I'd go and knock on the door and ask my and uh, Sister Amy McClary, and we would go out on a date. My mother-in-law would be standing at the door, and she said, Don't forget, God's got an all-seeing eye. <laughs> and I just thought, thanks for that, you know, looking around all evening, you know, for some eyeball hanging out of the sky, and what in the world, you know? She was helping my conscience sake. Amen. But Jesus asked his disciples, who do you say I am? 
I know this might seem simplistic, but it's so important for us to identify who Jesus Christ is. He is God manifested in the flesh. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He's not some sideshow, amen? He's our Lord and Savior. He can't be just some pastime for us that we just come casually into the house of God and leave unchanged, amen? But it has to be a passion in our hearts and our minds and to realize that Jesus Christ is on the throne and he's desiring to do great things, hallelujah, in these ending days. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He needs to be in our schools. I said he needs to be in our schools. He needs to be in our courtrooms. Not with just other religions. He is the only way. There's one Lord, one faith, and one baptism. And we're still crying the clarion call as we're one nation under God, and his name is Jesus. Hallelujah. The world's trying to change that, but he's still king. I said he's still king. Hallelujah. And he's doing great things in these ending days. Identify Jesus as your Lord and Savior. The second thing that Bartimaeus saw in his physical blind state was the mercy of God. He cried out, Jesus, have mercy on me. Have you ever cried that cry, that prayer before to ask God to have mercy on you? I want you to know that not only is he king of kings and lord of lords, but he has love and compassion to those that will call upon his name. That's the great thing about our God. Hallelujah. He is king of kings. There's no one like unto him. He, the Bible says there's none beside him. But he realizes that we are in this weak flesh and he has mercy and compassion that goes beyond our understanding. It doesn't give us a license to sin. But if we sin, we have an advocate to the Father, the man, the light, the manifestation, if you will, Christ Jesus. Hebrews chapter 4 tells us, For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched by the feelings of our infirmities or our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly under the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy. Everybody say mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. We need to realize that he's a merciful God. We need to realize we need to get a hold of the horns of the altar and, have, and pray the prayer of repentance that says, Oh God, have mercy on me, for I'm a sinner, and I need you, Lord. The mercy seat in the Old Testament was a part of their worship service and how they would get their sins remitted once a year. And the high priest would be the one that would get to go behind this veil and to the Ark of Covenant and to where the mercy seat was. And he would take the blood from the sacrifice and sprinkle it upon the altar, upon this mercy seat. And it was where God would forgive the sins of Israel. It was where God 
became blinded. So I correct my mother-in-law here. He is blinded to one thing, and that's the blood of Jesus Christ that's applied to our lives. Hallelujah. He doesn't, he could, but he chooses not to, to see through the blood. We talk about the blood here at this church because it's the blood of Jesus Christ, the lamb slain from the foundation of the world where we find the mercy of God. Hallelujah. And you can get your sins remitted. But the Bible says you got to repent. You got to ask God for mercy. You can't just do what you want to do and come into the house of God nonchalantly and just think, oh God, I need you to answer this prayer and I need you to do this for me. God's desiring oh, for us uh, that whosoever shall save his life shall find it or lose his life shall find his life. Amen. He desires for us to give like we've never given before of our own selves. And when we come to an altar of repentance, that's saying, God, I want to go in a new direction. God, I want to turn. I want to go in a new way, Lord. I don't want this old way any longer. The mercy of God will meet you at an altar of repentance. And then the Bible says to be baptized in Jesus' name. And right behind this wall, we have a baptismal tank. And it's warm water, so you won't even get cold. And we have a baptismal robe that you can put on, and your, your clothes won't even get wet. But if you've never been baptized in Jesus' name, I encourage you to be baptized in Jesus' name this morning. For it is the remission of your sin. But it's not just saying, yeah, I want to do that. It, repentance comes first. It's where we cry out for mercy and say, oh, God, I need you. Uh, I need you in my life, Lord. Uh, I need you to forgive me of my sins. Uh, I need you to help me, oh, Lord. I can't do it without you. And when we repent of our sins, uh, then we're baptized in Jesus' name. And the Bible says our sins are washed away. Think about it. Our sins are washed away. For those of you that have been in church uh, and we just get, uh, you know, lackadaisical in our worship or, or in our thanksgiving to the Lord, can you remember where God has brought you from? He's brought you from a mighty long way. I thank the Lord today, hallelujah, that he's been merciful to me in my life. Uh, he forgave me, oh Lord, some 39 years ago. And he has to forgive me time and time again. But it's been covered by the blood of the Lamb. Hallelujah. He's merciful. He's merciful. And God sees that blood. He won't look through that blood. It blocks it out from his mind and from his memory. And he says, you are forgiven. Hallelujah. Repentance and baptism in Jesus' name. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. You shall receive that light within you, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. When we begin to live for God through the power of the Holy Ghost, then we become the light of the world. We become the manifestation of God to the world. Hallelujah. We become the ones that are shining the light of God of this glorious gospel because he said to them that received him that them gave me the power to become the sons of 
God. Hallelujah. Not just the sons, but the sons and daughters of God. Amen. We become those when we receive him. But how sad it is that the light shines in the darkness, but the darkness does not comprehend it. Think about if God would move in here today as he has, and we just go out not knowing that we have been in the presence of God. I don't know about you, uh, but I want to receive him. Uh, I want to come into his presence. I want to be mindful uh, of what God is doing. Uh, I want to be sensitive to his spirit and to recognize. He says he came unto his own, but his own received him not. Oh, church, we've got to receive him. We've got to king, uh, crown him king of kings and the Lord of lords and to realize, hallelujah, that he is a merciful God, that he's desiring to do a work, hallelujah, in these ending days like we cannot imagine. The Lord wants to move in your life, hallelujah. The Lord wants you to be the king. He wants to be the king of kings and the Lord of lords in your life. That brings us to the third thing that Bartimaeus saw. And this was that there was a change that was coming on. <laughs> he saw that there was a change that was coming on. Amen. And he, the Bible says, the blind man, Bartimaeus, casting away his garment, rose and came to Jesus. Hallelujah. He realized that there was a change coming on. He took off the beggar's garment. Reminds me of a song that we used to sing, I'll tell you the best thing I ever did do. I took off the old robe and I put on the new. The old robe was dirty tattered and torn, but the new robe was spotless, had never been worn. I'll tell you the best thing I ever did do. I took off the old robe and I put on the new. Hallelujah. You'll never be sorry. The beggar's garment represented the beggar, those that were unable to work or to provide for themselves. And in the daytime, they would sit by the wayside, and they had to sit outside the city. And they would sit and lay their coat down, and the people would come and throw the money in there to help them to have means of living. The beggar's garment, however, was more than just for that, but was his identity. Everyone knew the beggar by his garment, that he was just a, a poor beggar, just a poor beggar that had no hope. No way of means of living. Nothing that he could rely on. He was just a beggar. But he threw the coat aside when he came to Jesus. Everyone knew him by his label, Blind Bartimaeus. But he knew that day that there was a change coming on. He knew that there was going to be an identity change in his life. Hallelujah. The gospel of Jesus Christ costs nothing. You can't buy it. You can't earn it. You can't be an usher enough times or greeter enough times, a Sunday school enough times. That's not where we get our salvation. It can't be earned. It can only be received. 
He comes unto his own, but his own receive him not. It costs nothing, but it demands everything. One writer told us that we get struck sometime in a spiritual no man's land. We're too Christian to enjoy sin, and we're too sinful to enjoy God. And I'll just let that sink in for a minute. I'll say it one more time. We become too Christian to enjoy sin. We try to go out in the world, but we're, try, we're a Christian. We're kind of in this no man's land. We really haven't just determined to live for Jesus with all of our heart. Too Christian to enjoy the sin and too sinful to enjoy Christ. So we come into the house of God and get under conviction. We fight it and we leave unchanged. We've got just enough Jesus to be informed. Just the intellectual part of it. But not enough to be transformed. Romans chapter 12 tells us, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed, hallelujah, by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You see, this is just something that we just can't come in casually at and, and just enjoy the service and the singing of the choir and, and the preaching of the Word of God. Amen? But we have to allow the Word to interact with our heart. We have to be transformed by the renewing of our minds, the renovating of our minds, that we say, I want to change the way that I'm thinking. Amen? That I want to be different. I don't want to go the same way that I'm going. Amen? The problem is, is we want everything of God without the transformation. We want the healing. We want the way made. We want him to provide for us. And all he's in his mercy and his love and his grace, he does all those things for us. But what he's really wanting is the transformation. The acknowledgement that he's king of kings and the Lord of lords. The acknowledgement that, yes, his mercy is great. It's extended. It's everlasting. He's reaching for each and every one of us. He said, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man open the door, I will come unto him. Amen. And I will sup with him and he with me. Let's all stand this morning. We must lose the beggar's mentality. If you're here today and you just think I'm sitting on the outside looking in, a beggar on the outside of the city just looking in, you need to lose that mentality that says that, you know, you don't belong. Or maybe that mentality says that you just can't make it. You're always going to be in this situation. You just come, just keep hoping. Just keep struggling with the same thing. You leave and just keep struggling with it. I want you to know he's here to break the bonds of the captive. Amen. Or maybe you're just saying, you know, there's no healing for me. You hear about it. We saw it on the screens, all the miraculous things. Jesus Christ is the healer. He can heal your body physically, spiritually, mentally. Hallelujah. He's the healer. And I want you to know this, that Jesus loves you. Jesus 
loves you. I don't know if somebody under the sound of my voice needs to know that or to be reminded about that. But Jesus loves us. He loves you as an individual. For God so loved the world, the world, the world, that's you. Amen. We need to be like blind Bartimaeus that cried out, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. On me. Have mercy on me, O oh Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. Though none go with me, yet I will follow. No turning back. No turning back. The world behind me and the cross before. No turning back. No turning back. If you have that mentality this morning, I want to invite you to the front. Amen. That you make your recommitment to the Lord and say, God, there's no turning back for me. I'm in this. Hallelujah. There's no turning back. I have decided to follow Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Jesus, we need you, Lord. God, we praise you, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Draws me to your side. Your mercy calls me to be like you. Oh. 